Perspective Trojansports.com podcast. Adam and I are the last people in the press box if you don't count the cleaning crew, which may join in halfway through this podcast. <laughs> but the uh, the air blowers cleaning the trash out of the stadium are still going, so we'll probably not be the last ones to leave this building. Before we do, no, that's my goal. Much to talk about. Uh, a 31 20 USC win over number 19. And previously unbeaten Colorado. Um, that feels weird to even say. Well, it's <laughs> after it, watching them. It's no more. It's no more. So one of the questions entering this game was how good is Colorado really? And I think we kind of answered that. Um, have we answered yet how good USC is? Maybe not. But there were some talking points uh, from this game. The news was Cam Smith not playing due to his hamstring strain. And EA, you know what, Adam, can you pronounce the full name for us? Pala EA Na OK OK. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Take notes, kids. Uh, I'm going to call him EA. Uh, EA starting in place at Cam Smith, his first uh, college start, and was terrific before he was knocked out with concussion like syndromes, symptoms. Uh, and, the, and the defense overall 16 tackles for loss, four sacks. You wrote a column about the defense. Let's start there. What was your overall takeaway from this game? Well, I've happened to watch every game that Cam Smith has played and covered them. And while I don't know what kind of prospect he'll be at the next level, I do think that he's really valuable to this team, especially this year. And he's having a great year. He's having the best year of any defensive player on the team. And it all kind of happened quickly for them where he wouldn't be available. Yeah. He went light the week before, the week of the bye. And that was... I didn't read much into that because a lot of veterans went light. But then on Tuesday, he was fine. And then Wednesday, he was kind of limited... And it seemed like something happened, and we didn't get, you know, the full extent of it. He, he walked off with about 45 minutes left in practice Wednesday with his hamstring wrapped in ice and came back out in street clothes. And that's kind of was the first sign that, whoa, this might be something. Yeah, and I guess it's something that he really aggravated in that practice. And even now, a few days later, we don't know – the full details of what's going on there. Clay was non-committal about him playing next week. Said that he was too close to call playing today, and really intimated that they felt like it would get worse if he played. Cam was not non-committal about playing next week, though. He said he's 100. percent Yeah. But it's but, not, it's not his call ultimately. So. Yeah, and I think if he were were that available, then maybe he would have played today. Um, EA told us later that he found out on Thursday that he'd be starting. So at that point, they knew enough that Cam wouldn't play a lot. And maybe if there was any kind of game time thing, it would be whether he could contribute. Point is, I thought that that would be a big deal. 
him not playing because EA is a true freshman who didn't even have spring practice and has moved around. He hasn't even just been at middle linebacker. He started a, a few weeks back versus Wazoo at outside linebacker. Now he primarily practices at middle linebacker. And I know he's a future there. But he looked like their best linebacker tonight. And that's how good he looked right away. And that can make you chuckle because you've seen a few players now like Kalanohu Funga play really well and these guys wouldn't have a big role if not for injuries. You know, we just don't always see the best players play right away. I'm not really trying to lead you toward that conversation, but it is there. Uh, more importantly, USC responded to not having what has been their best defensive player. And it became evident through the course of the, the four quarters versus Colorado that this team will go as far as the defense will take it. Going back to EA, just kind of take you through the timeline. He said that Thursday and Friday were really kind of a, a cram session for him. Lots of extra video work, one-on-one -on -one meetings with Cam and Clancy Pendergast just to really try and get up to speed on, on all the nuances of that position and all the responsibilities. In the end, uh, John Houston ended up taking on a larger role in the communication aspect and um, doing a lot of the organizing for the defense. But the comment that almost everyone made about EA, almost every single person that I asked used the word instinctive, and it makes perfect sense. And you saw it, it was the fourth defensive play of the game. He... It was almost like, and this happened the night, he wasn't reacting, he was anticipating. He knew where plays were going. The fourth play of the game, he reads the, the run perfectly. He's already darting in the direction of Trayvon McMillan, the running back, as soon as the handoff starts, gets him in the backfield for his first tackle for loss, ends up with nine tackles, two tackles for loss, and that's while playing a little more than two quarters. Yeah, uh he was exceptional, and I wonder what it means moving forward when Cam is back, when EA himself is cleared. He's in the concussion protocol right now. He's another one that we, we don't know yet really where he stands moving forward. He, he seemed very alert. Yeah, he, he seemed fine, and, and obviously these things, are th you don't judge an injury like that an hour afterward. You know, yeah, see how he reacts right. in the coming days. But that was the loudest hit of the game. Yeah. And, and that's what made it scary was because you could, you could see it coming. Yeah. And then his reaction was immediately down and out and motionless for a few seconds, it seemed. And yeah. and it was so loud. And I, and I asked him, I said, I said, how scary was that moment? And he totally downplayed it. But his, his comment was, once I realized I could move my legs, I knew I was okay. Like, well, that's, that's pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, he was there, and I, I thought it could have been targeting, but I didn't really want to bring that up immediately until we knew if he was okay. And then once he got up and, and walked off on his own power, then, you know, I, may, I made the point about, you know, I... That looked to me like it could have been... Offensive targeting? No. I, I, I'd go the other way. It, yeah, they both go to their helmet. He, he was already 
down and, and LaVisca Chanel yeah. went right into the side of his helmet with his with the crown of his helmet. And maybe I don't know the letter of the law well enough. I thought it would be more on EA. Uh, well, nothing it, it, reviewed. It's who initiates the con uh, the contact, and, and the contact was the crown of Chanel's helmet going into the side of EA's helmet. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm glad that he got up and Chanel seemed fine. Um, but now I'm just curious again when they're when they're all there and, and ready. How do you what do you do with this? I mean, you're not benching Cam, obviously. Um, I know how much Clancy Pendergast values John Houston. We were asking about John Houston when Levi Jones came in the last game and played well. And he and, played well tonight, too. And and Clancy... They have kept the inside linebacker yeah. that they didn't have yeah. a month and a half ago. But, but Clancy made it pretty clear then that John Houston was, was their starter when yeah. he was going to stay there. Right. But now you saw that the most impactful guy on defense tonight was arguably EA. And how do you not even have a role for him moving forward? Yeah, you're right. That's it's the biggest question now. Yeah, um, because the cam doesn't really come off a lot. It's not a position that you rotate much. It's a position where you really value that consistency and having that, that steady yeah. voice in there. Um, Maybe you play him at outside linebacker. Maybe you get him on the field. Sure. I feel like production has been lacking at times at outside linebacker opposite Port Augustine, who also might be out for, I think, of the three, I think he's probably out for some yeah, time. Um, Porter was not made available after the game, but we did see him arrive at the locker room on a cart, gingerly get off that cart, and hop his way into the locker room while putting no weight whatsoever yeah. on that right ankle. And, and he's in the boot. He's in the boot after the game. Yeah. And he's been really, really good. He was good tonight, and he's, he's been really replaced. Uh, even, even though the last week and a half he's been recovering from this ankle injury that happened in Arizona, he comes out tonight and looks like his vintage self. Yeah. Um, has, has one and a half sacks, a couple tackles for loss. Did you have any, let me ask you this, did you have any qualm with him being in the game that late? No, no. I, I mean, I know you felt like this game was never in doubt. We're going to get into that. We, we, we disagree on the, the tenor of the Indian of this game. Well, yeah, Colorado had the ball at midfield down by 11 with three minutes left. So to me, that's ample time to score, and then they have to re recover another onside. They've already done that. And onsides are always a little percentage, but just the fact that I believe they could score in that situation – uh, whether you do it in a minute or two minutes, it means that you have another onside kick. Sure. Well, I, I guess it I would guess, take a lot. I guess my viewpoint on that was if they had done anything at all with that drive, then I buy that argument. But that drive fizzled out immediately. Yeah, they went four and out. They weren't. Yeah, fun, it fizzled out immediately. So, yeah. therefore, there was never any mounting impending peril. Yeah, but got ahead by eleven, and they have the ball at midfield. I have Porter Gustin in the game. Now the real, the real crime here, if if there is one, is that the defense is put in that position by sure. the offense. 
And I, I want to say, I, I'm not arguing with that. I, I just wanted to get your, your take on that and see if you had any kind of immediate reaction when he got heard of saying. I thought it was more unfortunate yeah. that he shouldn't have been in the game because the defense had played so well and had earned the right to get off the field. Sure. Colorado had 84 plays of offense, 16 possessions mm-hmm. because of USC's offense. They, they put them in that position where they really played one quarter of football. Yeah, you know, I, I think overall, I've felt this the whole season, I think this offense is just too reliant on those big shot plays. And they don't seem to have the ability to manufacture drives, at least not consistently or more than a few times a game. Well, they can't run. If you can't run, then it's hard to gain a drive. I hear you. Yeah. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, though, that it's like a baseball team that relies on the home run. Yeah. And you get in the pitcher's duel and you don't know how to you know, sacrifice bunt or hit and run and move guys over. The shot plays worked well in the second quarter. They almost hit another one to Amon Ra mm-hmm. in the second half. That was just an inch or centimeters away from being a yeah. long touchdown. But I would agree that there's some concern if that's the foundation of your offense over the long haul because there's going to be games where you don't hit any of those. And one of the one of the biggest ones that they did hit was the 65-yard touchdown to Michael Pittman that was well underthrown. Yeah. And he just happened to react to it better than the defensive back and came back and got it. So He got a couple that were underthrown. I thought he played great. Yeah. Yeah. Pittman has got in him. Uh, it's kind of a curious passing offense because Pittman can do that. He, it's kind of come and gone, though. Uh, Tyler Vaughn can do that. He could got a couple weeks back, but then can go quiet. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown wasn't really a big factor today, he, but he nearly came up with that, that long touchdown, or that would have been a touchdown. It, it's just not consistent, and I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at the receivers. I feel like JT Daniels has a lot of weight on his shoulders, probably too much for a true freshman quarterback. I feel like they treat him in this offense like he's a three-year starter. I think we've made that very point before. Sure. And we're just still seeing it. I know that we're at the halfway point in the season now, but for him, it's still two months in. Yeah. Of his college career. Well, we came out of the bye, and I know I said this. I'm not sure what if you totally agree with me or not, but I thought the ideal identity for this offense was to lean on the rushing attack and then be aggressive with those shot plays off it as, a, as kind of a secondary aspect of this offense. And tonight it became the primary or sole aspect of this offense. And when Clay was asked about having zero rushing yards in the first half, as compared to 255 passing yards, he said that they felt going into it that Colorado was going to take that away from them and, yeah. and force them to, to beat them through the air. And you know what? I, I don't know how much of that is an after excuse or how much of that was, is legitimate. But still, you'd expect more than zero rushing yards um, and a half, no matter what the defense is doing. I don't doubt that that was Colorado's plan, but that doesn't mean that you you can't be effective running the ball. 
we've just seen that too often now, where clearly USC has a problem. They've really only run the ball well for a game against Arizona, which is a bad rushing defense. But outside of that, they, they, I mean, even UNLV, they were inconsistent. The final numbers look good. But if you go back to that game and you look at, you know, the quarter by quarter, they, they were okay. Uh, and, and UNLV, what, what does UNLV even matter? But in the last five games, which obviously matter, they tell you a lot more about USC, they, they've had one good game running the ball. And it's just been a recurring theme going back to last year as well. Uh, even with Ronald Jones in the backfield and, and Sam Darnold at quarterback. I, and it's hard for us to say it's the, the scheme or the design or the offensive line. It's probably a combination of all of them. I don't think it's the running backs. I would, I would say that. I do not think that they're the real issue, especially given how they do run the ball at points. Mm-hmm. It, it'd be hard to say it's the running backs when Cedric Ware could run for 170 yards and Stephen Carr, it sounds pretty obvious, uh, even if he's not at the same place that he was early last year. And in Vivai Malapai, when he gets opportunities, he's usually pretty productive. He hasn't really gotten many the last couple weeks. Yeah, I, you know, I, the thing I'd say is, is that truly good offenses normally do what they do each game, and they aren't so right. impacted by the defensive scheme, and right. they don't swing so significantly week to week based on what their team is doing. Yeah. And that's because we've said before, this offense does not have an identity fully. No, I, there's no carryover. I, I kind of broke it down. I, I wrote about this in my column. From week to week, you don't know what's going to work offensively. It, it, it doesn't matter if they take a big stride in the run game. It has no bearing on how they'll perform the following week. And even the same with the passing game, which has been the better of the two, but still not consistent either. And even in this game, 212 passing yards in the second quarter, but just 60 in the other three quarters. Yeah, JT's two early interceptions might have been two of his worst passes of the season. Well, that's that's not a bold statement because they were picks, but I mean just just really really off, and he was off on a number of other passes. I I give him credit for staying poised. I think, I think I've always said that I think his poise is one of his greatest attributes, and he he never let that take him out of the game, and he came through and had that big second quarter. And while we mentioned the Pittman touchdown was on an underthrow, the touchdown to Vaughn's was perfect. That was perfection. That was a beautiful pass. So he stayed in the game, made some big plays, enough for them to take control and never lose it. But it wasn't a four-quarter performance from the offense, no. Yeah. It, it wasn't a four-quarter performance from the team. Uh, we're still waiting for that. And the, the defense did more than its part. And I kind of ignore what happened late in the fourth quarter because I feel like they were probably gassed. I do too, but I also feel like they felt like the game was in hand, and which is how I felt. 
and and I know we've already hashed out what we thought about the end and how realistic it was for a comeback, but at the peak of that lead, when it's when it's twenty eight seven late in the third quarter, that game felt like it was in hand, and it's natural human instinct. Not saying that it's you would love to see a team keep the fill in the gas all the way through. It's natural human instinct to feel okay, we got this, and you don't have quite that same edge the rest of the way. Uh, that's yeah, why, uh, but I, I, I get you. I think uh, offensively they just never had anything. No, no, and, I'm, I'm talking about the, the defense. Uh, yeah, I, I come away from this game totally encouraged and positive about the defense, and I don't let the ending and whatever happened in the fourth quarter detract from that was really impressive for most, yeah. most of that night. Yeah, I, I think that they were burned out. How could you not be when Colorado just gets the ball back every time? And, and when you shut them down and then your offense goes three and out, you're, you're right back on the field. And it takes more work to play defense than to play offense. And and that's where I feel like Gustin was a casualty of that. Uh we, we're not aware of any other significant injuries coming out of the game. Peely, buddy. Yeah, that happened earlier. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess my takeaway is that I like the defense. I like it a lot. I think that USC, I'm picking them to win the division. Even if they don't win next week at Utah, I still think that they'll win the division. But I, I can't really take them as a, a real contender without a better offense. Winning the division That's fair. kind of almost feels, I don't know, uh, like, like a constellation. Yeah, I mean... Can they compete with Notre Dame at the end of the year? Can they compete in that Pac-12 title game? Uh, would they belong in the Rose Bowl, which is what you get if you win the Pac-12 this year? I don't think you have to answer all those questions right now, though. <laughs> I, I think, again, as you mentioned, with a freshman quarterback two months into his, his ordeal here, yeah. it's, 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 it's fair to think that maybe there will be some progression over the rest of the seasons. I don't think you have to answer right now, can they beat Notre Dame? So the question I'm going to ask you, and this seemed to be a polarizing stance in the comments I saw within the fan base, do you consider this, on the whole, an encouraging win? Unlike the Arizona win, which we both agreed was just raised more questions than answers. Do you walk out of here saying that was an encouraging win? Do you? I do. Yeah, I, I kind of felt that from you. Well, just because, again, they, they took full control of that game to the point where... Well, the defense did, though. I, I feel like both parts have to, both sides have to be like playing a bigger hand. I know the offense played a really good second quarter. To put them in the position to have control of the game. One of four quarters. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying that's I not, guess that's the margin just made it enough that, you know, even winning by 11, that... It didn't really matter that the offense wasn't good. I, I'm willing to concede that point, but how encouraging is it when the offense played one quarter of good football? I don't know. I, I, I feel like there are better opponents out there and that you can't play like this. 
So they have to play better to beat Utah. Uh, maybe it won't matter versus Cal versus ASU. Uh, now I don't know what UCLA will be by the end of the year. But Notre Dame matters. I know it's not around the corner, but they can't get blown out in that game. I feel like if they were playing like this, they're they're ripe for a blowout. No, it definitely matters. I'm just not saying that I need to make a prediction on that score. Not make a right prediction. Now. I just feel like we're not seeing progress on offense. They had the bye. They had a full two weeks. And they came off of this really good running game. And they just took another step back. And they didn't throw that well either. So offensively, they look like they're they're still in neutral at the halfway point. Yeah, I'll go back to the previous point about blaming the running struggles on what the defense was doing. We've heard that before. That was the excuse yeah. of Texas, too. And if you keep saying that, what do you think teams are going to keep doing? And yeah. Are you just going to say it for the rest of the season that, well... And we can just do what they did. Yeah. And <laughs> so, you can't run or you won't yeah, run. So I'm, to I'm totally with you. This is not an impressive offense on the whole yet. Yeah. But given how sloppy this team played, how... They had 13 pounds again tonight. No, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Nothing from it's just weird. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I, I can't totally get behind what happened tonight. I, I'm behind the defense. I, to me, that's what I focused on because I felt like that was genuine improvement. Okay, and let me say this: we talked about the offense not having an identity. This team hasn't had an identity, and so if that defense, yeah, can. Be this moving forward. Right. That can be your identity, which is kind of what you wrote about in your column a little bit. Yeah. That's so, so, so totally what I wrote about. So, so that, to me, is enough to say this was a positive because you found something good out of it. Yeah. It wasn't a a hundred percent positive, but it was a positive. Yeah. Um, sure. No, I, I, that's fair. I think again, it kind of goes with your expectations and your goals. If it's just to win the Pac-12 South, then sure, this is very encouraging because they couldn't. Well, they couldn't lose this game. It, yeah. it would have been an elimination for them. Yeah, yeah. They, they were not going to win the division, but if they lost tonight. Sure, I, I'm looking more narrowly and just looking at it relative to the last game I saw, and not really putting it <laughs> in, in in the context of yeah, you know. Competing for top goals and stuff. It, it's still a bit of a weird win. They're all weird wins. I, I can't argue. Welcome to USC, I Ryan. <laughs> I can't argue that. I want to rant on one thing, and then we'll probably close it down here with, okay. with the cleaning crew. <laughs> when, you, when you mentioned the penalties, and this is my biggest bugaboo in college football, I just I don't understand why cornerbacks who have position insist on using their hands nonetheless. And I thought on did, did Marshall have two pass interferences down the stretch, I think it was? I think – one might have been defensive holding. Yeah, but, but on both of those, but, right? It, like yeah. uh, it's not like he got beat and had had and had to grab to save the play. He was right there, and and, and it's not him. It's it, it's all corners. If you're there, just trust that, you, that your ability and turn around, look for the ball, and make a play. This, this is just my biggest pet peeve in college football. And watching it down the stretch, there, those were. At least one of those was on a third down. Should have been the end of a drive, yeah. end of a series. Yeah. And there was just no reason 
to to be grabbing the jersey right there. You're, you're two feet from the guy, and he's running to the corner of the end zone. There's nowhere to go. So, rant over. Yeah, I don't know that I have much to say about that. It's been an issue here. It's all college cornerbacks, so this is this is a bigger pet peeve. This, yeah, this is, this is this is years in the making. I, I do this rant uh, once a month. Oh, really? Yeah. Did we miss it last month? I uh, I did it with Brady. Yeah, I think we were okay. We were watching the game. I went off my college cornerbacks rant. It's right. Just, it really unnerves me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that the secondary played really well tonight, but it, it did get sloppy in the fourth quarter. It, maybe it was a fatigue thing in that instance. We've seen that before, late in games, be an issue. And I wouldn't dismiss, uh, you know, energy at that point. No, of course. I, I really feel like for three quarters they basically played a perfect game defensively other than that wildcat the, run. The one touchdown the run. The 49-yard yeah. touchdown run. Which, and they didn't look totally set before that play. There was some confusion. Yeah. Um, may, maybe that was a moment where EA's inexperience played a role and they weren't. Well, I mean, the majority of the defense was like on the wrong side. Yeah. Looking at the screenshot of it yeah. later. I don't know. It... <laughs> It's it's also important to remember though, aside from like Alabama, like no teams like play 100 percent perfect games. So Alabama is even playing sometimes though. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I kind of. Yeah. So you, you you can nitpick, but at a certain point, you, no, have, yeah. you have to accept that. Yeah. So the the defense, there's not much to pick apart there for those three quarters, and and that's what I'm going to focus on coming out of this game. But I I totally agree with you. The offense. Has a long ways to go still. Yeah. More than I thought. So we'll uh, maybe revisit that later this week. But that will do it for tonight. Uh, check out the site, trojansports.com. We have flooded it with content. Even more going up tomorrow. Um, Taj War does his first and ten every Sunday morning, his ten biggest takeaways from the game. And hey, just he's a really sharp football mind. He, he sees things uh, differently than others and yeah. has good perspective. So uh, check the site out. And if you if you go to the site and you go, wait, I can't read the story. It's behind a paywall. What do I do? Well, that's where I am the solution. I love your imaginary spiel every week. I got to keep it fresh for the kids. I keep getting asked, hey, is that promo still going? It is. <laughs> I like to keep it fresh. Well, if, if, you're, if you're in that situation and you go, I, I want to read this story, but I can't read it. There's this, this dang thing covering the story. How do I get to it? What you do, you sign up for our site. Yeah. Use the promo code USC60, and you get a free trial for the rest of this month. And then at that point, you're going to be like, well, this was long overdue. Let's just keep this thing going. <laughs> but the first step is, is signing up with the promo code. Anyways, this was the Trojansports.com post-game podcast. We'll be back a couple more times next week. And we're out. Thank you. Bye-bye.